Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. We're continuing our Build It series. Uh, I started um, three weeks ago with a message called Build It Clearer. And we spoke about how the message of the church we want is a clear, concise, understandable message that, that the world understands, that we speak with the language today, in today's generation, that we speak the language of today, that they may understand that everything about the church has an application in today's world. Then we spoke about build it stronger. And stronger is about being stronger, is about the decisions you make. Strong decisions makes a strong life. You are energized and strengthened by the decisions that you make. Life is simply about decisions. Everything that has happened in your life has happened because of your decisions. And you make strong decisions, you'll have a strong life. Uh, Then I spoke last week about building it wider. One of the great cliches of churches that we need to remove, get out of the four walls, remove the four walls. And I spoke about how that isn't in the Bible. It's not a scripture, it's just one of those things that people say. And I I spoke about how actually we don't need to remove the walls, what we need to do is build them wider. Um, People need to be able to come into a place. If you remove the walls, there's no defining place to come. The church has to be a place of comfort and a place of security, a place that people can come to. What we need to do is to make it more accessible, that people may come into the house. This week, I want to speak about building it deeper. Everyone say deeper. deeper. You see, I, yeah, I knew you would do that. As soon as you said deeper, you went deeper. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> we like the idea. And deeper is one of those really important sort of things. It's, it's often misunderstood. People, um, people have a different sort of idea of what deep really means. Uh, I want this morning for you to understand that there's a lot of things that deep isn't. Deep isn't knowledge. Deep isn't knowing God, um, knowing the um, knowing the Bible more. All right, it's part of that, but that doesn't make you deeper. Deeper isn't your ability to quote scripture. Deeper isn't your ability to understand or define theological positions on the life of the church. Deeper isn't. Um, isn't your ability to quote other great preachers or, or define uh, great theologians or, or, or have any of those kind of intellectual frames. Deeper isn't being more intellectual. All right, We need to understand that because if deeper was all of those things, then most of the people in the church don't stand a chance. <laughs> most people don't have a clear concise understanding of theology but you love Jesus anyway <laughs> and you want to have a clear concise understanding of theology that's 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 good thing to have but it doesn't make you deeper so this morning I want us to understand what deeper really is you know um I was born in a in a town called Haywards Heath and Haywards Heath is a town in in uh, West Sussex um right on the, in the south of England it's a, it's a very middle-class South of England town. And I was, I was born in that town, uh, and it's also where I worked for about three years with my, uh, with my uncles. It was my grandfather's business, 
um, and uh, my grandfather passed away soon after I was born. Uh, but the business uh, had carried on with my uncles, and um, I went to work for them when I was 18. Uh, and I worked for them actually, not three years, two years, I worked for them for a couple of years. And um, in that time, um, just I got to know the area that my, I was born and my father had grown up, and my, I had, it's a huge family. So in that town is a place that there is a village called Franklin's Village. And Franklin's Village is a housing association village that had been built on the edge of the town. Um, and it had been built on extremely steep hillsides. And so we often used to have to do deliveries. I worked for my uncles doing furniture, uh, selling furniture and, and delivering of furniture. And so uh, we would sell it in the morning and deliver it in the afternoon. And so we would go out often with my uncles and we, uh, we would go out in the delivery van. And when we had delivery to Franklin's Village, there was always a bit of a sigh because it, it was a really, it was a, village with really bad access. The roads were only wide enough. There were concrete roads only wide enough for a single vehicle. And, and all the houses were built on st- steep hillsides. And, and there were just everything was just really awkward and difficult to get to. The houses weren't particularly great. Um, they were, everything was kind of small and awkward and, and, and that sort of cold and damp feeling. You looked at them and they looked quite beautiful. You know when you look onto a picture maybe of a log cabin. You know, you get that look and you go, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go in that log cabin? And you look and it looks beautiful. Log cabins always look beautiful. Uh, The truth is, of course, they're cold and they're damp. uh, And they're filled with all kinds of animals that you don't want with you. And they're just kind of, you know, so they're not as beautiful. And that's what these houses were like. You know, they were probably filled with all kinds of animals as well. And, And so we used to do these deliveries in this town in Franklin's Village. Now, in 1993... Um, 1993, uh, a couple of years before we moved to Scotland, there was incredibly heavy rain that hit the south of England. Uh, and what happened is that rain just hit um, the um, Haywards Heath and Franklin's village. And what happened is that one hillside just washed away. And it took with it uh, about a dozen houses. Uh, and over a space of a, uh, an, an hour or so, just whoosh, they were gone. Uh, and the houses, everything was gone, uh, and it was, you know, I don't think anyone was, uh, was killed, uh, which is miraculous, but what happened is that they discovered later that the, the houses hadn't been built with the right foundations. That the, because the foundations hadn't been dug deep enough, um, they, the houses were always vulnerable to the Uh, weather conditions that could eventually sweep the hillside away. And the reason why they weren't dug deep enough, after all, well, what does it matter? It's only housing association. So it was, was, well, it was was just housing, it was just cheap housing for people who can't afford decent housing, so we won't give them proper foundations. So therefore, we'll just build these rubbish houses uh, for people who can't afford something nice. And on the outside, it, it kind of looked nice if you've got foggy glasses on and it kind of looked okay but actually they were really unstable places Uh, and and the village actually uh, most of the village actually got emptied out and they had to just do a huge amount of work on it and you know the reality is with our lives is that we all live on some kind of hillside that is vulnerable to being washed away given the right conditions that hit our lives most of us don't think about our foundations, we don't think about our roots, uh, because most of the time 
you don't need to. We don't think about going deeper because most of the time you think about what's going on above you. That's where life is, not underneath you. It's above you. No, you don't think about the foundation. How many? When was the last time you thought about the foundations of your house? You just don't think about it. It doesn't even occur to you. If the wind is, is blowing and, and it's raining hard, you might think about the doors and the windows, but you never think about the foundations. Uh, it's a very rare event. And so often we don't think about what we're standing upon and what we're rooted into. And, and what I want to speak today is about building a church that builds it deeper, but builds the right kind of depth, not the kind of depth that creates an environment that makes people think they're deep, when in fact they've missed the point altogether. You know, when we first moved to Scotland, um, when we first moved to Scotland, we were told, oh, the, there are some wonderful people and they know the word, oh, they're, they're just great. They come from this really dead church and this church is really dead and and it's just, um, it's not really, there's no, no one goes to them anymore, but the people that are in them, they're just really deep and, and they know the word. And, and I would look at them and I think to myself, I don't get that. All right? I don't get it. Now, I came from a traditional church environment. Cheryl's grandparents were my Sunday school teachers at various stages. Her grandmother, she... Um, she, did the, she taught me when I was younger than her, her grandfather. He had the, the older ones. He was, he was um, a little stricter. I was quite afraid of her grandfather. And, uh, um, but her grandmother, she was just, you know, just very, very sweet. And they were in a traditional church. But they had this depth, this life. And, and she, would, she would quote scripture and and prophesy over us without ever calling it prophecy because they were strict Baptists and they don't prophesy, right? (laughs) But they did anyway. And there was a depth to her. But so often I meet people who, people say they're deep just because they can quote Bible. But that isn't depth. Depth produces life. Turn with me, will you, to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Before we go on any further, I want you to know I am your Christmas present. (laughs) These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body the church 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, deep transforms. Deep brings Christ. Deep reveals the life of God. Deep produces something. So deep isn't intellectual. Deep is something that we are rooted in that brings something unique into the house. It brings life. It brings transformation. It brings blessing. It brings something which enables us to be strong, to be stable, to to know how that we can resist the winds, that we won't be washed away on the hillside when, when, uh, when the rains come because our roots go down deep enough that when the, when the rain comes and the muds begin to slide, we know that we're strong enough for that kind of thing. You see, what happens is that deep is what produces an ability to understand Christ that the church is strengthened, that the church grows, that the church becomes something far greater. So deep is not a head thing. Deep is a life thing. It's something that we are rooted in, not just something that we know about. Are you with me this morning? And so this morning, I want to go through what deep is or how, to, how we get deeper. What are we building in the church? How do we build a deeper church? How do we understand what, what our roots are and how we stabilize our lives? It says here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. This is the responsibility of apostles, prophets, pastors, um, teachers, evangelists. This is our responsibility as leaders. Is to Our responsibility is to equip you to do God's work and to build up the church. Right? So... We have to equip, the responsibility of the church is to equip you to do His work and to build up the church. So there are two steps to becoming deeper. Doing His work and building up the church. If we do His work and we build up the church, what happens? What happens is that unity comes into the house. How many of you know that it's a great feeling when you're all in one voice. How many of you know it's a really horrible feeling when you're in a room with someone and there's someone who's just really, really just not with you? Just, you're, you're ill at ease, aren't you? And depending on your personality type, I'm of a personality, I want to be able to find a way of getting that person to, I want them to get on side. I want them to be on side with me. I want, them to, I want to walk together. I don't want to walk in irritation. I don't want to be irritated with them. And, and you know, you, you have to decide how long you're going to walk with someone. But you want, how long are you going to put up with that kind of irritation? But you see, God wants the church to be rooted deep. And deep is how 
we do the work of Christ and how we build up the church. Because when the church is built up, we're unified. We, we reflect Jesus Christ in a stronger way. We are mature. We are not affected by crazy thoughts and stuff that comes around, that blows around in the wind. We're a church that is strong, consistent. We are a body of believers that know how to stand together. Are you with me here? And so, and so there are two steps. And that first step is that we do His work. Now, doing His work is a... Well, what work is it that we're supposed to do? My responsibility is to enable you to do His work. Who does the work? You do the work. My work is to equip you to do the work. Does that help you understand? That's the pastor's role. The pastor's role is not to do the work. I remember meeting a minister. In fact, he was the minister of the church that is now Seoul. It's uh, Langstein Kirk. How many of you know that church? I am pointing in the right direction, aren't I? Yes, yes. On the other end of this block here, beautiful building, huge building. um, And many people have gone into that building and gone, oh, what a shame. It's a a bar and, and, and you've got... I mean, you've got incredible works of art. The, the, the stained glass windows were actually done um, by the, uh, created by the director of Grace School of Art, uh, and they celebrated sort of works of art of um, the, uh, the Passion of Christ. And, um, uh, and so you're talking this incredibly beautiful building. We, we used that building for a while before we bought this one many years ago. And, and it's incredible. Many Christians come along and say, oh, what a, what a shame. Um, it's become like a pub and it's a casino. <laughs> it's like, it's not, I wouldn't choose such things, right? But there were two, <laughs> the church employed the minister, and this is what his job was, preach the gospel and visit people in hospital. That was his job. It wasn't, it wasn't doing anything, just preach. In other words, he was employed to do the work. But the pastor isn't employed to do the work. The church is here to do the work. The pastor is here to equip you to do the work. So because we are a body that works together. We're not a congregation that sits and watches a seal perform. <laughs> We're not here, yeah, look, watch me with the ball. We're not. The minister is not the performer doing his special thing the congregation together we stand together to do an amazing work that we may see God's kingdom advance upon this earth all of us are called anointed and touched by God to do something incredible and so Paul is saying this is your work this is what your work is now many people go well what what work is it that I should do that Jesus had this conversation with the um, with the followers after he just fed uh, the 5,000. What had happened? He'd fed 5,000. In fact, well, 5,000 men. There was a huge crowd of people. And then um, the disciples had got in a boat afterward and they'd gone over to the other side. And then Jesus had walked on the water, got onto the boat and got to the other side. Uh, And then eventually the people come along and they went looking for Jesus and like, how did you get here? And, And this conversation starts. And in this midst of this conversation, in John chapter 6, verse 28, they say to Jesus, 
they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Good question. We want to do the works of God. Have you ever said that to yourself? Have you said that to God? God, I want to do something. What should I do? Jesus says this. This is the only work God wants from you. Wow. This is, this is the only work God wants from you. What does he want? Believe in the one he has sent. It's the only work. So what is it that you should do? What work should the church do? Believe in the one whom he has sent. Surely there must be more than that. (laughs) I mean, if we're going to build the church, surely surely there's more than just believing in him. But you see, your believing produces something. If you believe in him, then what you believe in is what you will find yourself doing. You do what you believe in. That is a fact. If you believe you're a nobody and a nothing and you look in the mirror and you hate yourself, you will live your life hating yourself and become more and more depressed because of what you look at. You do what you believe in. So if you believe in Him, your heart is turned towards those things in which you believe. When you believe in Jesus Christ, what happens is in your understanding of Him as a person, you see Jesus and something transforms within your heart. And you begin to see a life with Jesus. How many of you here... Let's not put up hands for in case of embarrassment. How many of you here have just simply fallen in love? Married the person of your dreams? <laughs> now, when you fell in love with that person, you didn't just fall in love, you saw a life. With that person you saw. Cheryl and I, when we fell in love, it was a long time ago, I'm still trying to remember, we fell in love we planned a life together I fell in love with her and with that I saw a life I saw what was coming I saw a life and that life I'm living because of what I saw now listen when you meet with Jesus and you believe in him a life starts to open up for you and works come out of your believing. We've got an amazing lady in this church called Annie Gentry. I don't know whether she's Annie's here today. There's Annie. She's always, I was about to say, she's normally at the back somewhere. And there she is. Now, Annie uh, and you in are Laura's uh, mum and dad. And Annie, I don't know how long you've been in the church now. Maybe a, a, a couple of years? One year. Only one year. It feels like two. And... Uh, <laughs> And Annie doesn't know I'm going to tell this story. And uh, so she's worrying now. She's panicking. She's kind of like... But Annie um, came to us um, earlier this year and said, you know what, there's loads of mums that are having babies and, and um, when they get home, they're going to they're gonna get home and then, you know, it's a pressure time. Why don't we just cook the meals? Why don't we just cook the meals and we'll get them and... And all of a sudden, this ministry grows out of a woman's heart who 
coming to the church, being touched by God, believing in Jesus, sees a need out of her faith in Christ. That's what caused it. She saw Jesus and she saw a work. When you see Jesus, you will see a work. Now, we have food going off all over the place. So all these, all these mums, everyone's, everyone's going to want to get pregnant now, aren't they? You get free dinners. <laughs> and so we got, and, and in fact, what happened is that, in fact, um, we've, uh, Mike was just sharing a testimony uh, um, at the prayer meeting that we just, divine appointments are breaking out because of these meals that are being delivered with people. So we're meeting people who've yet to meet the King of Kings and understand who the glorious Jesus Christ is. And they're just being touched and blown away by the love of Christ being served on a plate. <laughs> Jesus is being served on a plate and they're meeting the King of Kings. And it's beginning to touch and change lives. What happened? They started... To believe, Annie believed, and something happened. When you believe in Him, what should I do? Just believe in Him. Let your love for Christ burn within your heart, and the work flows out of you. The desire, the the image, the things that you see, you begin to see the house, you begin to see the need, you begin to see people's lives, and no longer are you trying to fulfill something. What you're trying to do is you're, you're, you're simply loving Jesus and everything flows out of that. The next step I want to get onto this morning, and I, I, I see I've got to wrap this up very quickly, is it says that we have to build up the church. Now, the second step of deep is what we build up. You only build up based on what you've built down. Now, how do you build deeper? Well, a tree grows both ways. A tree grows both ways. As a tree grows up, so it grows down. You don't build the foundations for a skyscraper when you're only building a bungalow. So, how do I build down? Well, I have to build up. How do I build deeper? I have to build into the life of the church. And building up is not the busyness of church building up is simply bringing the words that Jesus has caused us to bring into the life of the church. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, it does this amazing definition of edification, which literally means to build a tower. The Bible says to edify someone is to, is to build them in, into a tower. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 1, it says, Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but will all be mysterious. 
But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but he who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. What do we do to build up? Well, you prophesy. Oh, I don't know what prophecy is. That sounds so mysterious. You know what prophecy, the Bible says that prophecy is what? Is edification, to edify, to encourage and to bring comfort. So if I come to you and I bring a word of encouragement, then I prophesied over you. If I come to you and I bring a word of comfort, then I spoke God's word over your life. If I come to you and I lift you up, then God, by His Spirit, has spoken into you by the words that I spoke. So what is it the church should be doing? Believing in Jesus and speaking Jesus over the house. Simple. How do you build deeper? You see, revelation of God and understanding of Scripture, all of these things we can use understand intellectually but the our roots are framed upon our relationship with him not just our knowledge of him relationship and knowledge are linked but they're two different things i can know something but if i don't have a relationship with jesus then i am a tree with shallow roots and neighbors have got uh, these Leylandi trees, they're huge, but they have shallow roots. So you'll often see in storms that the Leylandi trees, they just go in their hundreds. They just go over. The wind blows and whoosh, away they go. And our neighbor's tree blew down quite recently. They've got loads surrounding their house. They're enormous trees. But they're, because they're big trees, but they just have shallow roots. They have shallow roots because they, they just grow up so quick. But to build up the church in Christ is to build like an oak tree which grows doesn't grow up without ever growing down. And you have to understand that when we encourage, when we speak over one another, what happens is that depth comes into us. The Bible says in Luke 6.38, now I've got a couple of scriptures for you to finish with. In Luke 6.38 it says this, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. We often use that for for finances. But the the Bible is not actually talking about finances. It's talking about simply what we give. If you give a word of encouragement, if you give life to one another, you'll build that person up, giving them roots of assurance and security, stopping them from being pushed around, and your life you will receive back in double measure. One last verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of special gifts. Isn't that beautiful? God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of special gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him 
forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful scripture that is. Let's speak as though God was speaking through us. Let me tell you this. Whatever we do in the natural slides either to death or slides to life. If I speak words of death, I slide towards the enemy. If I speak words of life, I'm elevated towards Christ. I start in the natural, but I can slide away towards the work of the enemy, or I can be lifted up and be translated by God's presence as I begin to speak life. So God takes a hold of that which is natural and makes it supernatural. Your words are just natural. We're just here, we got up this morning, just natural. But Christ is using your words of encouragement and they become supernatural life in the heart of others. That's where death comes. It roots people in his knowledge and his revelation. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.